Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Joe's Sports Live. We're Joe's here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by David Alexander, 10-year NFL veteran, to discuss uh, all things NFL. Uh, we'll talk plenty of Big 12. Colorado officially added to the Big 12 Conference. We'll break that down and what the future for the Big 12 means. Coming up when D.A. joins us, we'll have Tom Foley later on. Shorter show this week. Bo is off, and so no football fix, no uh, draft this week. We'll uh, just get to the nitty-gritty on today's show. But we definitely wanted to get you a show this week after being off on vacation this week, this past week, with the big news with Colorado. We had to react to all of it. So nonetheless, we'll uh, do what we can to cover it all here on the uh, Jones Report this week. Uh, Tom, before we get to the very big business of the day, with Colorado and everything. First and foremost, good to be back. Great week in Phoenix. Um, I got to say, uh, I survived Phoenix in more ways than one. Uh, I think I went out about five nights in a row. Don't tell my mom that. But nonetheless, great time. Enjoyed myself uh, in uh, in Phoenix. Uh, you, you were pretty busy yourself the last few days, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been doing the DJ thing. And, and this weekend, even is even way, way, way busier than last weekend. So, um, you know, that's exciting. Um, you know, the good money is there. Um, but it seems like you had a hell of a time in in Phoenix. I, uh, I mean, it's, it, it seems every time I feel like you go to Phoenix, you do a big. I love Phoenix. It is in my top three cities in America. Dallas, Nashville, Phoenix. I think I could just travel to those three cities and never have to go anywhere else ever again. Maybe Vegas on that list too. I do love. Right. Vegas. Hey, in that case, you like the heat. I guess I do. It, it, it ain't cold. It ain't. It ain't cold in none of those. No, I don't like cold weather either, as you can tell. Uh, I don't like I, snow. I do like cold oh, weather. I, though. I I despise snow. Uh, hey, since we've been out of high school, like in college, like. If I can't get a snow day out of it, you know what's funny? Work never has a snow day, unfortunately. No, like money has have, to be made. You have work for days now. Well, you know, I get it. I get it, but there's no even work from home, like there's no snow days at work. And it's like, right. ah, okay. Like, if there's no snow days, then yeah, I don't have any interest. Right. Like keep keep your snow. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to wreck my car. Right? I've been there before. I've been I've had yeah, yeah literally. Literally, I have had my car totaled by some jackass that didn't know how to drive in the snow. So exactly. I'm not doing that again. I'm staying in the warm weather. Even if it was 119 in Phoenix, I'm here for it. Phoenix could be big 12 country here soon, too. Was it 119 there? It got up to 119. It was the that fourth, is incredible. It was the fourth highest temperature ever in the history of Phoenix. Oh my! Oh my God! You didn't boil an egg. I did not. I should have. Yeah, you should have. Um, I'll That's say hot. So I had. Not only did I have a great time. Shout out to everybody at Navi for another great event and for having me for the third straight year and. Uh, terrific organization and glad to be working with them again. But 
I got to say, Tom, I think I texted you about this after it happened, but I went to, I know you're a big karaoke guy and everything, and you do the, a lot of the DJ stuff you do is for karaoke nights. Um, Not trying to put you out of business here, Tom, but (laughs) I went to this fantastic karaoke bar where it was live music being played and they brought people up to sing on stage uh, live karaoke, and it was one of the best things I've ever seen. I, in fact, even went up myself and I sang Mr. Brightside. Oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty legendary. Yeah, they do have the live music ones. Um, I will say, I will say in terms of, like, money spent by the bar, if you're an investor, it's going to be a lot more money having a full band play for something like that. But, <laughs> but no, but, you know, it, it is, well, I say that and you, you mentioned Nashville is one of your favorite cities and I like Vegas and I've been to Nashville. Nashville was way too expensive for me in terms of drinks to make it worthwhile. I thought that they should be half the price for the entertainment that I got in Nashville. Yeah. It was like worse than Vegas prices. And so I was like, okay, you know, if you have a live band and do karaoke and do that, it is awesome. Cause I've been to one of those. Um, but instead of paying one person, you pay four people, but I do support local artists and local musicians. But at the same time, whoo, wow. You know, instead of paying somebody two hundred bucks, well now you're on the you're now you're on the on the tab for six five, six hundred. So uh for a weekday. But I, I don't blame you. It I've I've done live karaoke, I've done like where the band plays behind you, and it's incredible. Yeah. You can't really beat it. So I got a little story for you. So I sang Mr. Bright said, I got into it, the crowd loved it. I went with uh, some friends, including my buddy Jacob Toby, who I called the games with this weekend. Jacob and I both used to work in Tulsa, and uh, now he works for the NBC station in Denver, KUSA. And yep. he was a color analyst for the weekend. And Jacob is a singer and musician himself. He performs all over the place, really good guitar player. And Jacob, uh, the way this worked, you had to text the song you wanted to sing. They had a list of songs available and you had to text it in with your name and they'd call you on stage. And Jacob, he said his go-to uh, is Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton. Um, and so he and I both submit ours at the same time. Well, we wait like an hour or so and someone else gets called up and sings Tennessee Whiskey. They took his song. Oh, man. Oh, this isn't good. And shortly thereafter, I get called up and I get to do my song, Mr. Brightside. So then he texts in another song because he knows he's just getting skipped at that point. They're not going to do Tennessee Whiskey twice. Uh, Right now, yeah, that's a sin. So he ended up singing uh, Closer by the Chainsmokers instead. Ooh, that's not a bad runner-up. That that's a song everyone knows too. Everybody loves the chain smokers. Uh, yeah, that's not a bad runner up. Right? What would be but your live you, you band? Surface. Right? What would be your live band karaoke song, Tom? Oh, it'd probably be I Miss You Blink 182. Okay. 
Is that something you typically do for karaoke? Uh, some of the time. Or it'd be a, like, it uh, when I pick that song, it's easy for a band to do. If I had to pick one that's not easy for a band to do, probably would pick Fast Car, Tracy Chapman, or oh. I would probably pick... I love I the new... I love oh, the, Luke the new Combs. Luke Combs version. Yeah, I like I like the Luke Combs version, but at the same time, I'm like, let me give shout outs to Tracy Chapman, the person that wrote the song. Um, but at the same time, he's given it more play than it's ever gotten. If that makes sense, yeah. Which I, is cool. Which is cool. I almost buried the lead too, like. Some of you may have been asking, what did I do on Wednesday night when I normally do this show? Went to the Morgan Wallen concert in Phoenix. Morgan Wallen, incredible performer. Oh, I can't imagine. I mean, I can imagine. I would do, I, I don't know if I'd do, last night we lit the liquor talk. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd do that. But I'd do I everything I love. I'd probably do. Uh, whiskey glass. Uh, no, a lot of people. A lot of people do cover me up. Okay. Which I think is a solid one. Um, a lot of people do. Um, a lot of obviously a lot of people do whiskey glasses, and that's cool. That's a party song. That's fun. Um, so I I appreciate that. Um, but any of the other ones is like oh, okay. Well, we're still getting the majority. So, but. One more thing before we move on to Colorado and and all that. Uh, I'll say this on the Morgan Wallen front. So we always, everyone that that goes to a concert knows that, you know, you expect an encore and for them to come back and sing a couple songs. He didn't do an encore. Well, here's the thing. So when he stepped off stage for his on, uh, you know, and everybody's waiting for the encore, he still had not done last night or whiskey glasses and then one other And we're like, well, yeah, you're coming back. <laughs> like, I mean, unless he's not like the uh, the Oxford show when he lost his voice. Um, but like to everybody sitting there, like, what what are we doing here? Like, we don't need to cheer anything. We know what's going to happen. Did he do it? He did. He did. He sang like three more songs. Oh wow! For the really, yeah, I yeah. Mean, well, sang- hey, that works. He sang uh, last night, whiskey glasses, and one other. Whiskey glasses. He, so he, he checked all the boxes. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Of him. So I'm, I'm a fan. I would go see Morgan again. I really want to see Luke, Luke Combs again. I've seen Luke a couple times. Uh, saw him in Daytona and saw him at a private concert. But I, I want to see him at a big, you know, setting of sorts. But, yeah, I mean – Tom, like, I don't know about you, but there's something different about country concerts that I just love. Like, seeing, not not to, you can bonk me if you want on this, but, like, bonk. just see, seeing the girls in the shorts and the boots and everything. Like, Oh, listen, I've I mean, been there. I can't get I ain't gonna, I, I'm not going to bonk you for that. that. What? I'm, I'm not going to bonk you for that. <laughs> you, you get a pass. <laughs> I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Every everybody at a certain point in time in the summer does get a. Ooh, she's in fucking, you know, jean shorts and a tank top. She's um, in her bag. 
Yeah, bonk. <laughs> like everybody gets beat over the head eventually, and that, you know that's fine. We can do that. That's just why it's a great free country, America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh, Colorado. Finally, Tom. We've been only been talking about this for a year. It's going to the. See, I'm, I have I have questions. You do what you need to do, but I have questions. Let's set the scene for everybody out there. Colorado, according to, to Action Network's Brett McMurphy, is set to officially join the Big 12 Conference this week. And it might already be official by the time you're hearing this show. Uh, the news coming after Pac-12 Media Days last week when Colorado had asked Pac-12 Commissioner George Kliakoff that by Pac-12 Media Days, they wanted to see numbers of what a potential TV deal would look like. They did not have numbers ready. They did not talk about it, not bring it up. And Colorado's AD walked out on Kliakoff's press conference in real time as it was happening, left and went home, made a statement without saying anything. You just walked out on him, made a scene. That's incredible. And on top of that, just a few days prior... Colorado's chancellor had straight up said, we are proud to be members of the Pac-12 and we are not leaving. <laughs> so fast forward a week later, here we are. Colorado is headed to the Big 12 Conference and they will get a full revenue share, $31 million in the next TV deal. It will be the same exact amount of money that schools like Oklahoma State, Kansas, K-State, Baylor, all of them will get. Um, and then the new other members, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and others of the new TV deal, they will also get uh, the same amount, $31 million. So as of now, the Big 12 is going to be next year a 13-team league with Colorado coming in, Oklahoma and Texas leaving, and everyone making the same revenue $31 million. The Big 12 basketball tournament is locked in to stay in Kansas City. The football tournament is locked in to stay in Arlington. And there that's where we're at right now. And then we'll talk about the future in a moment. But there are reports out there that the Big 12 has since been contacted by every other Pac-12 school in the last uh, six hours, except for Stanford and Cal. And that apparently there's momentum for Oregon now being a big factor. Oregon and Washington having some serious interest in joining the Big 12. So, Tom, that is where we stand right now. Your thoughts? I didn't know that it was as serious as it is. I think it's, I, for one, I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, but at the same time, like, it went from zero to a hundred real quick. Oh, no, no, no. Way real quick. And it literally changed, changes the landscape of what we know, which is fine. You know, it's, it's fine. That's fine. But at the same time, it's like, like a little different, a little different. Which, again, it's fine. But in the immediate moment, everyone's like, ooh, 
okay, well, we got this, and we can do this. That's chill. But mm, what well, what do you do? Right. Like, yeah. like what what's the next, what is the next move for this? You like, know, is, like, is the next move, that's you know, what I'm saying. I don't know what the next so, move is. So let, let me say this, Tom. So of those that are left, and I'm not going to mention Cal and Stanford, uh, you know, they're, they're high horse pompous asses. You know, we're, we're going to take them out of the picture here. Um, I think for me, where you're at with the Big 12 now, the other four corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Oregon, and Washington, those five teams. If I'm Brett Yormark, what I'm saying is you five, all of you are more than welcome to come to the Big 12. I don't give two dams about Oregon State or Washington State. They don't bring any value. Sorry. Um, and <laughs> you know, Cal and Stanford, it's just not happening. But those five right there, all of you are more than welcome to come. I would take bonk. Uh, are you all five of you are more than welcome to come to the Big 12 conference? And we'll take any of you. It could be two of you, it could be three of you, it could be one, it could be four, whatever. But those five, I would that's what I would do if I was Brett Yormark say, we'll take those five, no one else. I don't think that's a bad idea to start. Like, I think there are schools, obviously, like San Diego State. They could, they're like, I don't know, like, Jones, I'd be interested on in what you say. Can they, is it fair to say, hey, listen, we've been doing this shit for a little bit. Can you wait a year? Well. Is that fair? I mean, what, what what's there to wait for? Well. In case the ACC I, blows up? Well, when I say, like, wait for, I'm like, okay, is it. Is it cool to like wait for it, or do we need to like have shit immediately? I think we need to have answers because the Pac-12's TV deal runs uh, out at the end of next year. And okay. What about what about Gonzaga? Do we bring so Gonzaga? That's another thing. I think now, now that the Pac-12 stuff is on the table, I think the basketball-only members that have been talked about potentially Gonzaga, UConn. Those others, I think that gets put on the back burner. I think your priority now needs to be uh, on those full-time members. You take care of that first, and then you say, all right, maybe Gonzaga, others down the road. But right now, I think you need to go all in, put your pedal. You got Colorado now. Now create the domino effect from here. So is it because the coach, or you think we bring them in just because – of location with Colorado, why? Why do you think we brought in Colorado just because of Dion? I, I think that's got to be some of it. No, I think it's part of it. I'll say this: like I think that Colorado is in the Big Twelve because of Dion Sanders. Uh, yeah, if, if, if Scott Frost took that job, you think Colorado would be here? No, and here's why. Let me explain. I think the Big Twelve would still take them. But I think it's Dion that's the driving force of wanting Colorado in the Big 12. No, um, 
Because Dion's a Texas guy. He wants to recruit in the state of Texas. Um, Dion, and they're doing everything, even though he's never coached a game yet, they're doing everything they can to keep him happy and want him to be there a long time. I think they are not only for financial reasons. I think Colorado's making this move to for, for Deion Sanders, trying to give everything they can to put Deion in the best position to succeed. They, the Colorado would not be in the Big 12 without Deion Sanders. Not that uh, the Big 12 wouldn't want them, but I don't think Colorado makes the move without Deion. No, you're absolutely right. Like, think about it. Like, why would they – why would they make a move? Like, well, you can you can have some prospective movements without a big time thing. And you know, that's cool. But like you're absolutely right. Like, why would they why would they be like, oh well, we're gonna do this or we're gonna do that without a high profile like you know, like without a without a good coach? Like that would be foolish. Right. Um and so, like, okay, well, I get that. I get that. Like, that's not a problem. But at the same time, it's like, okay, how far does that extend? For right. Dion himself. Now, here's another thing. Let's talk about Colorado as far as the fit in the Big 12. Uh, two, there's a couple points here, Tom. I think they make much more sense in the Big 12 than they ever did the Pac-12. They're a natural fit. I know Nebraska is not around anymore and Missouri's not, but I mean, they go way back with KU, K State, OSU, and Iowa State. And they played a lot against Baylor and Texas Tech over the years. So they have history in this league and they can drive to some of these games that they couldn't drive to uh, before the Pac 12 and all that. Colorado's great. Now, as a as a Kansas fan, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way as an Oklahoma State fan. It's you know, assuming Dion's the right guy and everything, it's going to be great to have another competitive team in the league. Um, no question about it. But it doesn't make life easier for schools like Oklahoma State and Kansas and others if Dion's winning and is getting some of the best recruits. He's already doing a great job in the recruiting trail. Now you've given him Texas as a resource, like Colorado. And again, not to be overreactionary because Dion still hasn't coached a game. I, I have to preface that before I say this, but there is a chance for Colorado to come in and for Dion to be the face of this league and to get all the best players and just dominate recruiting and be, you know, the, the household figure of the Big Twelve Conference here, like. Everyone, I think, is going to be on high alert with Dion coming in the league here. Well, I think they have to be, right? That would be the smartest move. But at the same time, you still got to find your place in this conference. And it's not like he's going to Alabama or Auburn or Georgia or some blue blood, blue blood like football school. He's right. Going to call, which. It's cool because, like, oh, yeah, Colorado, ah, let's go to Colorado. I mean, you just convinced Travis Hunter, the best player in the transfer portal, uh, you know, a former five-star kid and everything, to come to one-win Colorado before you even coach a game. When you coach a game, it's only going to get better from here. They're recruiting. I mean, look at Gary Patterson at TCU. Yeah. Had 
he was a great coach, got them to where they needed to be, but he wasn't the transcendental coach that got TCU to the playoffs. Right. It was the guy. So it's like, okay, well, how far can you get? How far do you want to get? How far can you really get in the first season? I think for TCU, if they make a bowl game this year and then win, let's say they get seven wins. I think they get six, seven wins. You talking about Colorado, you mean? Without Max Duggan. If oh, they okay. do for oh, well, I'm saying under TCU only. I'm not even talking about Colorado. Okay. But for TCU coming off that year, if they do that and they win their bowl game, that's a successful year. What does it look like for Colorado under the first year? Like, you can't expect them to fully – like, they're not going to win the Big 12. I'll, I'll, like, let me drop my next paycheck on that real quick. Colorado's not going to win the Big 12 their first year in. It's not happening. Yeah. Hey, 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 if you're a listener and you think so, call me. Let's talk. <laughs> I promise. Now, if it's year three and they win the Big 12, no, fair, fair. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. I, Jones, do you feel the same way? I like Dion. I do. I, like I think Dion's going to do a great I job, but it's part, it's I way too early when you haven't even coached a game yet. Right. Not to mention this, his health issues, too. Like, I don't know if that's going to be going to catch up to him at some point as well. I, Deion Sanders, I could shit the bed. Um, but I think everybody's gonna be on a high alert though. Like Dion is not gonna be coming in and messing around, you know, like they're they're gonna be a problem, but I think they bring they bring a lot of good, a lot of excitement. Um, that's gonna be awesome to have them in the league, and we'll see if other teams come with them. But uh it's it's the day we've all waited for. We we waited a long time. And, and now, like, going forward, Tom, like, this league, you know, you have the the, the the hateful eight, as they call them, or the little 12, whatever it may be, those those eight teams that stuck together. Your four schools that came over, uh, you know, three from the American, one is an independent BYU. You bring Colorado from the Pac-12 here. All of these makeshift teams – the island of misfit toys of sorts, if you want to call them that. This is, I, I know that there's talk about changing the name or whatever, but this feels like a brand new league. It feels like everybody's just coming together, kind of hitting the reset button and starting over here. And this team has got momentum. They got a badass commissioner that's doing a great job. And you got all these, you, you got the networks invested in ESPN and Fox I mean, there's some incredible momentum here. This league is going to be the number three league in America. And I, I, I think there's there's finally reason for the first time in a long time to be excited about the Big 12 Conference and its future. And, and, and they're not going anywhere. This is the most hyped I've been about the Big 12 in forever. It's the first real positive news. Like, you know, think about it. The league's been around since 96. This is the first time they've ever taken away a Power Five program. Uh, you know, West Virginia and TCU were Big East, but obviously the Big East was, you know, they were technically BCS, but they weren't Power Five later. You know, they got kicked to the curb. 
this this is a huge day for this league, and and I think things are only going to continue of this positive momentum from here. Oh, I think so too, and and I think the universities that are kind of on the I don't know what do you want what do you want to call them? Are they on the ass end? Yeah, they're on the ass end of things, but I think the universities that are on the ass end understand that they are on the ass end. Like, you've done the work, you've paid the money, and it's cool, but at the end of the day, it's a new league, and there are new teams, and that means new, not only goals, not only goals, but just new new challenges. And so, I think for universities that realize that, are going to maybe have the upper hand, unless you've already had the upper hand, like a K-State so, or, or an Oklahoma State. One more thing. Let's uh, let's end on this before we transition to some NFL here. Um, let's say of the 13 members, okay, that the future Big 12 is, not counting if there's going to be any more additions from the Pac-12 or even the ACC down the road. But right now, of the 13, Tom, in your unbiased opinion, starting next season, who is going over the next 10 years, who is going to win the most Big 12 football championships, you think? Who is going to be the team to beat in this new Big 12 for the next 10 years of these 13 teams? Obviously, I can't say Oklahoma State, but at the same time, I don't think so. I don't know what Mike County is going to do. At the same time, if I had to pick and the coach says the same, I'm going to say K-State, Chris Kleiman. K-State looks, un- K-State looks unstoppable. Yeah, they, they got a good thing going. For me, it's TCU because they got the Metroplex. Sonny wins the oh, league. And purple, only- purple, purple game. Yeah. I'm going TCU, uh, and I probably wouldn't have said that a year ago, but you're in the Metroplex. You got great facilities. Sonny did what he did in his first year, winning 12 games, getting to the national championship game, and you know that did wonders for the recruiting and what they were able to do in the transfer portal. I think TCU is going to continue to be strong for a long time. So we'll see. But, I mean, Tom, you could ask – five people that question probably get five different answers you might have some people say colorado some that say osu some that say maybe even ucf or uh baylor k-state tcu whatever it may be and to me that is a healthy thing for this league that they have multiple good teams that are going to be competing year in year out for for conference championships well i think it is good too and and i love people betting on colorado because until we've seen him, I'm not going to pick him. Right? Yeah. A different, and I, it, it, a little bit of a spice, but I'm not going to pick Colorado until I've seen what I needed to see. And we've, I mean, to Dion's benefit, we haven't seen what we needed to see because we haven't had a chance to see what we needed to see. So and t- until he gets to that point, I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's cool, but. Right. Yeah. Which I think they're a great team. I think they could be a under-the-cover team. I think they could do 
Gary Patterson 2013 style and and shake some 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 stuff up. And I'm very excited. I'm very excited to go to Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, Tom, uh, with Bo not here, we'll take care of the uh, the NFL discussion on our own in this week before we bring in uh, Bo, before we bring in uh, David Alexander here. News uh, coming out that Aaron Rodgers is reworking his contract, and I kid you not, he is taking a $35 million pay cut over the next two years. Um, as he's trying to maximize, you know, what they can with that roster to bring in the talent they can. And, and we know what the Jets did. They've had an aggressive offseason. They've made some great moves beyond just the Aaron Rodgers deal. Um, I gotta say, say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. I know he's got plenty of haters out there, but respect where respect is due to Aaron. He's, I understand he's made plenty of money, but this is, this is a mature, move by Aaron Rodgers. Um, this is a gutsy move. This tells me everything I need to know as far as where he's at, wanting to win, wanting to compete and everything. That division's tough as is with the Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, not to mention that same conference having the Chiefs and the Bengals here. Um, look out. I, I, I really respect that from Aaron Rodgers of literally putting his money where his mouth is to, to sacrifice doing what uh what Tom Brady did for years there in New England I mean yeah he's I think he's ready to win I don't know <clears throat> how ready he is to win with the Jets like where do you know and I feel when I say this I feel like he knows the Jets so well, like you know, with, with, with being in the NFL so long, you have an expectation. Right. I think he does have an expectation. Is it wrong to judge that way? No, no, it's not. But if they are, they're recently under new leadership, and the Jets, I think, are, you know, and, and I think you would agree, a couple of players away from being playoff contenders. Are they going to be like Josh Allen and the Bills? Maybe not. But they are the the Jets remind me of the new age, like when when John Morant, Dylan Brooks, and crew came on the scene. Like the Jets remind me of the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I can see that. That's the vibe I get. Yeah, like I I, I look at that team and and now you make this move. Like wh what are you preparing for? Is Dalvin Cook walking in that door next? Are they going to add some defensive players here? Um, like, you don't make that move just to make that move. Something is is happening in New York here that, I, 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 as far as I'm concerned, that I'm just waiting to see what they're going to do. You don't you don't take a $35 million pay cut just to take a pay cut here. They're, they're on the verge of doing something. You would think so. And... With the way it's going, it's like, okay, well, what you know, you're exactly right. Like what what is next? Like we've got to this point. And so now we're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, we can do this. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we're here. What what do you got for us next? Well, you know, like what 
what is next for this, I don't know, what you would want to call it, expedition? Right. Well, and you got Brees Hall there. Can you imagine? Okay, here's an idea. Let's say Dalvin Cook goes there. You already have Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, McCole Hardman, Randall Cobb. Oh, is McCole Hardman there? Yeah, McCole Hardman's there now. Um, you, you you might end up with the best offense in the league if you if you go get Dalvin Cook. You got the money to do it now. And Brees Hall, you saw last year, have the ACL injury. He's on the pup list uh, to begin training camp here. I mean, look out like that. That to me, there there is there's something cooking, and who knows? Maybe even it's it's a defensive player. Maybe they're looking at, you know, trying to make a trade for Buda Baker or something to that effect here. I mean, there is – and Rodgers is a smart enough guy too. Like, Tom, he's he's not looking, I think, taking $35 million saying, you got to go get me all offense. He might be saying to himself, like, yeah, I'll take $35 million off the books to even go add defensive talent here. Like, to me, I, I think it would be short-sighted to say that this has got to be an offensive move or – that, well, that's the only thing we're going to do. Like, I, I think that Rodgers knows, like, hey, I'll take this off and you go get me talent on this entire team together. Well, I think that was part of why, you know, like, the Jets have been dog shit since we've, like, grown up. Like, like name the best name the best Jets quarterback since we've been alive. It's Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington or Mark Sanchez, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, that's not saying a whole, 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 whole lot. Well, the best quarterback they had, they gave up on too quick, and Gino. Oh yeah, and then yeah, you're <laughs> you're um yeah, yeah. No, you're right because uh, he loved Gino Smith. Now he, um, he they wrote him off, and he didn't write back. Hey, there you go. Gino Smith has made you more money than I've ever. I've made from a, a a player that wasn't related to me. So but, I mean, think about this too. Like, you know, they did pay Quinn and Williams, which was a big deal. You got Sauce Gardner coming off that rookie of the year campaign where he's one of the top rookies in the league. Adrian Amos came with Rogers from Green Bay. They signed him. I mean, the Jets all of a sudden, like Tom, it it, it reminds me so much of when Brady went to the box. It feels like it's, you got the star veteran quarterback, and now he's kind of rallying the troops of some sorts here. Do you think the Jets have what it takes? Do you think the Jets get to the divisional round of the playoffs? I'm starting to convince myself that they they could. Who do you think stops them? That, that See, that's the thing, like, the Chiefs are good. The Bengals are good. The Bills are good. I think even the Ravens are a really good team. Like it, it's it's a gauntlet. It's tough in that that conference. Do you think it? Do you think how much difference does Aaron Rodgers matter compared to Zach Wilson, night and day? Well, yeah. Does it does it make him get to the championship round? It might. I, I, I the more I, I look at this Jets team, the more I'm starting to get convinced. I am. I'm a believer in Garrett Wilson. Yeah. 
Um, other with news, the quarterback, I'm a believer. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Justin Herbert gets paid, uh, becomes the highest paid quarterback in the league. It's about <laughs> half a million more than Lamar to, to, to take that number. He gets a five year deal. Um, and similar How long before that changes, I'll give it a couple of weeks with Joe Burrow, uh, because he's gonna be the next guy to get paid. Um, now what, what I find interesting, Tom, three straight quarterbacks now getting paid of Jalen Lamar and with Justin Herbert, all of them for a minute anyway, were the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, but none of them got the guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson got, uh, Deshaun, you know, he, he sacrificed, he wasn't the highest paid quarterback in the league but he got the most guaranteed money of anybody getting a fully guaranteed contract. And, you know, there was an agenda set by the rest of the owners that, Hey, we're not doing that anymore. Jimmy Haslam stepped out of line doing that deal. Uh, I, I will say I'm surprised that none of those three uh, got guaranteed money like that, like that. That wasn't what, what Deshaun did wasn't a trendsetter of sorts. I'm really surprised a year later that that ended up being an anomaly here. Well, I don't think that Browns had a, uh, I don't think the Browns had a choice. I think they had to give him that to stick around in Cleveland. Like to get the trade. Yeah. All right. Cleveland's not a place that you want to go. One bad track record Two, not an ideal place. It's worse than fucking Detroit. Yeah. Like, who wants to play for the fucking Cleveland Browns? Nobody. Right. Um, But Herbert getting this money now, I, I look at him, Tom. Terrific talent. We know it's there. Uh, He's got everything you could want and then some. But you got to start winning more. Now that you got the paycheck, like, I know there's some concerns about Brandon Staley. And, and I don't think Staley's that great of a – head coach right now. I do think he could be a great head coach someday, but he kind of stands in his own way too much. I think he's not, he was, he wasn't quite ready to be a head coach just yet. Um, but Justin Herbert, the results got, got to show up at some point. Like can't just be a divisional round quarterback, uh, going forward here. Oh, absolutely not. And you gotta, he's gotta be a little bit more clutch, but at the same time, <clears throat> I think, Especially like last offseason, I think the Chargers thought they were going to have just a, a like an impenetrable defense, and that did not happen. And so I think they relied a little bit too much on that to have Herbert have a, a crazy season or give him more chances. Now they were like, okay, well, we've got the players, but maybe not the players of the past, and they still do have a good defense. But at the end of the day, okay, you got Russell Wilson in the second second year with Denver. I think they should be better. If they're not, then he's finished. But at the end of the day, you still do have Patrick Mahomes. You have to deal with that. And I don't care if you're second, third, or fourth in the league finishing off. If that's your defensive goal to be like, oh, well, we have Mahomes in the division – and we have a great coach like Andy Reid coaching against us. Like at at, at some time, Jones, 
and, and I'm not jacking the Chiefs off, but at the same time, it's like, how long do we have to play for second? Because we're not going to be, we're not going to be playing for first. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, another thing, uh, that we'll discuss here before we bring in DA, the, uh, the running back conversation, Saquon Barkley got paid this week. Finally, uh, one year, 11 million more than the franchise tag would have paid him, um, and gets a little extra incentives and such like that, but obviously didn't get the long-term deal that he was seeking. Josh Jacobs is still, you know, holding out with the Raiders and there's frustration there. There was a big Zoom conference call among some of the top running backs in the league complaining about not getting the money they want and all this and these long-term deals. And, Tom, I mean, it's a different game than you and I grew up with. Like, running backs are more replaceable than they've ever been before. You have to have multiple running backs. These guys don't last as long. I understand their frustrations, and some of them are better than others and deserve to get paid, but – at the end of the day, this is a business decision these owners are making. It sucks for the players, but based on the data, the owners are right. They're not wrong here. No, they're definitely not wrong. And, like, Jones, we were both born in the 90s. Like, okay, when I grew up playing football, it was, you know, it was Marshall Falk, Sean Alexander, LaDainian Tomlinson. Like, and it's crazy to think about, but it is true like the big names in football were the quarterbacks and the running backs. Well, now it's the quarterbacks and the wide receivers you got instead of, you know, and Derrick Henry's a great back and Dalvin Cook's a great back. But now I look at Dalvin Cook getting traded. We, we, there's so many other backs getting traded or on the trade block. You know, it's, it's instead of, Instead of Marshall Falk and Sean Alexander and Ladanian Tomlinson um, and Edron James, it is, you know, at that time, like when it was a switch, it was the quarterbacks and the running backs, and we picked, or not quarter, it was the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, and we picked Julio Jones, and we picked, you know, I, I guess one, probably one of the first ones is Marvin Harrison, and now we picked Cooper Cup. And we pick, you know, like one of the, the pioneers was Calvin Johnson. And we went that route. That was kind of the, the main switch percentage. And so it's like, whoa, okay, well, think about the business-wise part of things. Who are you going to get the most money for? Okay, yeah, you have a great receiver. That's probably going to be a longer investment than a running back. And Derrick Henry kind of hit it on the head as like, well, oh, you can have a good year, and if, but if you have a good year, the next year, they're going to run you in the ground. Right. Trying to get the most money out of you, and he's absolutely right. And then once you have a MVP type year as a running back, they're like, well, okay, well, he's been running to the ground like an old girl. You know, like, boom, runner to, you know. she right. Like, they hoe out the fucking running back, and then – you know, well, then you're looking for the next best thing. So, I mean, think about this. Okay. Let, let's talk about Saquon, for example. So, Saquon gets the one year deal. And I, I would say, Tom, the Giants are a good team, playoff contending team this upcoming year. Um, 
and those or Dallas. Saquon is their most important player. Period. I mean, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but that offense, in order to succeed and to work, Saquon has to play well. Plain and simple. Well, right? yeah, essentially, I mean, you, you gotta face two other playoff caliber teams in Dallas, who has a great defense, and just re-signed Trayvon Diggs for five years. Right. And then you have the NFC defending champions. The Eagles got better. So, with that said. On offense, so you have to score with them. Right. How how do you do it? With that said, you are dependent on Saquon Barkley. He is your face of your franchise, and your offense runs through him. Even the Giants are looking at the data and saying, yeah, Saquon's our most important player, but he's not going to be our most important player in three years. He's not going to be our most important player in four years. You know what? We need to do this year by year. We don't need to commit so much money to Saquon where we get screwed down the road. Um, We just got to go year by year until the gas runs out on Saquon that way we don't lose a ton of money over it and we're stuck in a bad contract here. It, I mean, it, it sucks for Saquon, but I mean, think about this. The data says that's the case. And then even Saquon's own body says that's the case for all the time that he's missed prior to this year where you have to think that Saquon's time is probably going to slow down sooner that rather than later with already the miles he's put up and the uh, durability issues he's already faced. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. And I think Saquon knows that too. And and I think there has been a, I don't know how to voice it or I don't know how to put it. There's been a, oh, oh, we're doing this now type vibe of, it, it, which is funny because like, okay, you can get paid and you can be a great running back. But I think more so the running backs are recognizing it now, and they voice their opinions on like, ooh, like eventually. I mean, like I don't know. The best way I can put it is that they're getting hoed out for their talents. Which, you know, if you're paying that type of money, no, I get it. I get it. I'm not going to be the first one to hate. Like I do. I do get that. Um, and it is frustrating for backs like Derrick Henry and for Saquon and just overall the, really the top backs in the league. A lot of people say Nick Chubb hasn't said enough and you know, like at the time, everybody else has said something. What can Nick Chubb really say? You think Nick Chubb is going to trade, you know, change the game in terms of like, Oh, well, Nick Chubb said, that uh, running backs aren't getting paid enough and they're getting hoed out. You think these multi-dollar billion businesses give a shit? Like, no. We're going to use you until you can't know more, and then we'll figure it out from there. Is that shitty? A little bit. It's a little shitty. What? But they're not wrong. It's a business. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's a business. You get your money while you can, and if you can't get the money... Well, then you figure something else out. Right. 
Uh, more to come. David Alexander said to join us. We'll talk about Colorado going to the Big 12, some Big 12 football with him. Uh, also some NFL discussion and got some great old school training camp stories that VA is going to share that you will not want to miss out when he joins us coming up. Tom Fulry also uh, later on. So plenty more to come. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Jones Sport. David Alexander joins us next. Join us now, the Jones Sport this week. Always a pleasure anytime we get the chance to chat with David Alexander, 10-year NFL veteran and an alum of the University of Tulsa. And he joins us right now. DA, always a pleasure anytime we get the chance to chat, my friend. And Yeah, that's uh, great. No shortage of things to talk about here at the end of <laughs> July as – uh, literally right. within an hour or so, you and I hopping on here. I think we both just got back from vacations too in the Southwest. Colorado headed to the Big 12 Conference to return for the Buffaloes. What was your reaction to uh, this news? Colorado's coming home. Well, first, of, my first reaction was this: great. I think it's exactly what should happen. I think it should. I don't think they should have left. You know, I know why they left, and they left for you know good reasons on their own part. Um, but it makes a lot of sense them coming back. You know, there's we, you know, they've already stated the reasons, right? The, un- the instability of the Pac-12, and you know, they get back some regional rivalries in the big, and I mean, in, in the Pac- instability of the Pac-12, and they get back some regional rivalries, teams they they played a long time in the Big 12. I think it's just great for everybody. Oh yeah, and you know, a natural fit too when you, when you talk sure. about the old big eight of Oklahoma state and K state and KU and Iowa state, uh, you know, already there, of course, and guys sure. he played with in the big 12 of the, right. you know, the Baylor's and the Texas techs that they have history with in the past. Uh, I mean, they, they, they feel like, I felt like that they are so such a natural fit with all that history. Maybe they're not going to have Nebraska or Oklahoma, but even those teams there, they go way back with some of those teams. Well, they go way, way back, and 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 looking forward into the future, it will help their recruiting, right? They're going to play away games down in the state of Texas. You know, when you recruit Texas, and everybody has to recruit Texas, it's so much easier to pull a kid to Colorado, right, or Iowa State when they know their family's going to get to see them, you know, once or twice or three times a year when they come down there to play, you know, Texas Tech or Baylor or yeah, and so it's just a TCU. So it's just great. It's great for their recruiting. It'll help their their football team, right? We all know what kind of pull Dion has anyway. So I think uh, I think all in all, it'll help the Big Twelve, and it'll obviously help Colorado. Yeah, well, and Da, I, I was thinking about it based on what we've heard. It seems like that Dion was a huge factor in this. He's a Dallas guy, obviously, Cowboy right. great and everything. Uh, I mean, this is going to make life, I think, a whole lot easier. You mentioned the Texas recruiting, but just, you know, if, if you want that guy to stay for a long time, giving him exactly what he needs, Colorado's <laughs> setting up Dion to succeed here. Tyler, 1,000% right, right? They 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 shot for the moon to try to go get uh, Dion. They got him, you know, by gosh, whatever we can do to keep him because he's a national brand, he relates to the kids. Um, he understands marketing, and right now in the in the world of the NIL, marketing your team and your players is a big part of it. Now you know he can help. It'll help his recruiting. Now he'll be able to win some more football games. So let me ask you about Dion. Very unconventional, right? The approach he's sure. taken, and 
And I'm so excited to see what he brings to the table. Obviously, he's got the Texas connections and former Cowboy and everything. And you bring him to the Big 12, it seems like Colorado's doing everything they can to set up Dion to succeed and and give him everything, even the conference he wants to be in. Right. Well, you have to give Colorado a lot of credit, right? They went out, they shot for the moon, they succeeded, they landed Dion, um, new, fresh approach, and they're going to do whatever they can to keep him, and, and as well they should, right? He's a national brand. He's going to be able to go down to Texas and recruit players. Um, them getting into the Big 12 is only going to help that. Right. So now every kid they recruit in Texas, they say, hey, we're coming to Texas to play games down here every year. Your parents, your family, everybody can come to the games. You know, they don't have to drive to Colorado. They have to go to Oregon to see a game or Washington State. Right. They can go to Texas Tech or they can go to Baylor, they, you know, and, and see right. the play. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. And, uh, you know, with, with the way that he does things, uh, D.A., I, I'm very curious. Uh you know, there was a lot of people that were upset with how he showed up day one and said, I'm bringing Louie, but he didn't kick anybody off the team. He just made it clear, like, hey, you're we're going to have competition. You're going to have to compete here right. for playing time and everything. I understand maybe it wasn't the best messaging, but I didn't have a problem with how he came into that Colorado program. What was your takeaways for how he's uh, done and – the communication to uh, his players there could have been handled better or, or were you fine with what he said? Well, I, well, I was fine with what he said. Um, it, it was, it was open. It was honest. You know, we went, whatever. I can't remember what Colorado's record's been. You know, you guys were one game last year. Okay. You're, you were one in 10 or one in 11. That's not good enough, right? We're here to win football games. And if you if you guys would have been won football games, your coach wouldn't have got fired, right? So I've got to get players here that are good enough to win. You know, last when he said this, we got to go win the Pac-12. We got to go win games in the Pac-12. So um, it's harsh. It's man, it's tough. It's you know, college football um, is a billion dollar industry, and you know, no one feels sorry for Division One coaches, and they shouldn't. You know. Um, but they're judged on winning and losing football games, right? Oh. And, you know, uh, that's the harsh reality of it. You know, we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about, you know, getting kids to class and graduating and, and treating kids right. And that is all an expected um, pro part of the process. But if you're a football coach and every single kid on your kid, every single kid on your roster graduates, but you lose every game, you're not going to be there. Right. right. So it's a it's a balancing act. So it was harsh. Um, and it's been a difficult deal, but he has to win football games. You know, Dion's wants to be successful. He's never there's he's never failed in anything. Right? right. All he knows how to do is is succeed. Yeah, it's a great point. David Alexander joining us here on the uh, Jones Report this week as uh, we're talking college football, and we'll get to some NFL uh, coming up later. When you look at the Big 12, now with Colorado in the mix and the floodgates continue to open again, mm -hmm. we, we talked about the four corner schools for a long time with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, but all of a sudden some smoke potentially with Oregon and Washington. Uh, I'd take them all personally. I, I would love to oh. see any of them in the Big 12. Uh, what what do you what would you like to see this uh, this league end up with here? Yeah, all of them, any of them. You know, bring them all. Um <laughs> 
you're bringing in national brands. You know, you're bringing in big schools, powerful boosters and donors. I mean, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, you're, you mentioned Arizona, Arizona State, you know, Oregon, Washington, you know, those are big national brands. They've all been successful. Uh, they all have big TV markets. You know, uh, I think you bring them all in and and just celebrate. If you can get all those guys signed in the Big 12, um, that will be a big, big um, uh, day for the Big 12. It'll be monumental. So I'll ask you this one more thing, and then we can move on here. Um, of what we know, in 2024, we're going to have an expanded playoff OU and Texas in the SEC, USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, and Colorado in the Big 12. What was the biggest move of all of them, you think? What was the biggest uh, or surprising move of what we've seen? 2024 is just totally <laughs> going to change the landscape of college football as we know it. Yeah, it's com it's completely changed, and I'm here for it, right? I like the chaos. Well, obviously, you know, being where I'm at, Tyler, right, the biggest move, because it was a surprise to almost everybody, was OU and Texas going to SEC, right? They they had done such a good job keeping that hush-hush, and it was, you know, all quiet until it was announced. So that was the biggest thing, um, biggest move. And then once those two giants left for the SEC, right, then, you know, things start to fall, tumble into place and other things start to move and the Big 12 is looking to you know, stay uh, relevant, right? So let's go out and recruit some guys. Um, now, the USC-UCLA to the Big 10, you know, on, on, the, on the surface, right, hey, it, it's not a fit. But look where those two schools are at, right? They're in Los Angeles. I mean, the number of viewers when USC plays Michigan, right? And when UCLA plays Ohio State, uh, you know, the TV sets that will be turned on is amazing. And travel is not a problem anymore for those big schools, right? We want to talk about travel and missing class. You know, now the kids, you know, classes are online. You got your computers, and they're flying you know, private. Got, yeah, they're they're flying private jets, right? So they're in and out and back home and back in their own beds in, in 48 hours. So, um, you know, the country has shrunk in that sense and classes now, you know, they, they carry tutors with them on the road. They've all got their Chromebooks and uh, or whatever computers they're carrying in their schools. And so it, it's, it's really not relevant um, that USC is going to go to play a game in Rutgers. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Um. Looking ahead to this year's Big 12 Conference, uh, you know, you have the four new members coming in. Oklahoma and Texas still have one more year in the league. D.A., as I look at just the rosters and the teams and everything, I, I hate to admit it personally, but UT is far and away the most talented team in the league this upcoming year. Right. I don't know if I trust Sark and the Texas ego and all those things to, to come together to get the job done. What, what do you think uh, – as far as uh, looking ahead to this year, is Texas going to be the team to beat? Well, I, I said this when we were talking about, you know, Dion. You know, talent, the best players most usually win, right? If you've got the most, the best players or the most of the best players, you're usually going to win the games. Now, I'm going to go back, as far as Sark goes, I'm going to go back to an old Bill Parcells quote, right? You are what your record says you are. Right. And Sark's record as a head coach, right, is not is not that stellar. I mean, he just kind of it just his record is kind of what he is. Um, this will be a year that Sark's gonna have to change that narrative because he everybody knows that they've got 
dudes and dudes and more dudes. Right? Yeah, they got dudes, but can they put it all together? That right, and that's right. Yeah, that's on Sark. Right, it'll be on Sark because you know he's the head coach. He's making all the money. Right, his name's going to be in the paper if they win. His name's going to be in the paper if they lose. Yeah, and, and I don't think Sark's a bad coach. I mean, he's had decent success, but not great success to this point. We're still waiting on that that breakout year. I mean, the years in Washington, right. solid. USC, solid. Good year at Texas last year, but we've never talked about Sark competing for national championships. No, when you when we we've never gotten to week eight or nine of the season and saying one of Sark's teams is right is vying for a playoff spot. Right, yeah. we, we we haven't had that moment. And yes, he had great. He's had great talent. He's had 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 good football teams. Um, he's won a lot of games. But this roster he's got this year, right? I mean, they're all picked to beat number one in the Big 12. You go win the Big 12, right? You'll be being talked about in week 9, 10, 11 as being ready to be in a playoff spot. Right. And that'll be a, that'll be a first for him. Yeah, it'll be a first for him. Yeah. Meanwhile, the team uh, in your state, the Sooners, I think everybody's expecting them to improve and take a big jump. Yeah. But there's still some obvious holes. You know, they, they don't have a great receiving core. The defense doesn't look quite athletic enough of where they need to be, but the schedule plays to their advantage. Uh, yes. Their non-conference not having to play that Georgia game anymore. And, right. Uh, the opponents that got the Big 12 schedule here. O- Oklahoma, I- I'm, I'm very curious. Th- this could really go a, a million different directions. Feels like they're they're kind of an unknown here. And I agree. This is uh, this This team right now is an anomaly, right? We don't know. Um, you know, being from here and knowing a lot of kids on that roster, you know, I, I, I've got great hope that they're going to be good. You know, I've got great hope. They're going to make a big jump. Um, and they, they can, right. They're going to have to play. They're going to have to be a whole different team on defense. They're going to have to stop people on third down, give their offense the ball back. Um, you know, they've got a serviceable this is terrible to say about a college kid, a young man, you know, but they don't have a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. You know, um, he's going to need to rely on his receiving core, which we've already mentioned is going to be relying on some young kids because we don't, you know, they don't have a lot of any veterans coming back. Right. Um, you know, going to have to hand the ball off to some some, some guys and the offensive line is going to have to play a little better. So the defense needs to make the biggest jump, right? But the offense is going to – there's some un, there's some question marks there as well. And when there's that many question marks, you know, very rarely do all of them, right, step up beyond what the expectations are. There's always going to be somebody, some position group that doesn't meet expectations. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Oklahoma State, new uh, quarterback coming in, Alan Bowman. Spencer Sanders is gone. He's at Ole Miss now. Um, we've seen Bowman in the Big 12 before, previously at Texas Tech. Uh, he wasn't yeah. bad at all. No. Uh, down year last year for Oklahoma State, disappointing performance in Bedlam. A lot of pressure on uh, Mike Gundy here, uh, not only to get you know be competitive, but I'm sure they would love the bragging rights that went in the last Bedlam here. Yeah, I, I think um, we can read it the, between the lines with stuff that Mike Gundy's saying in all his press conferences, right? Yeah, that game is going to have um, a lot of meaning. It, it has a lot of meaning anyway, but there's going to be some undercurrent uh, going on with that. Uh, I I really uh, enjoy 
watching his press conferences, right? You talk about yeah. pressure. I don't think Gundy feels pressure. I, I mean, I, I mean, he, or he doesn't act like it, right? He just right. acts like it's just, you know, water off a duck's back. Um, but he's an alumni. He's been there forever. He's, 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 he's figured out a way to every year, except for, I mean, there, you know, there's been ups and downs and this way it's going to, always going to be at Oklahoma state, but you know, he's got a nice winning record, right. For his career, you know, winning eight, nine games every year, being competitive, uh, knocking off OU every, you know, few years. Um, but this will, this year, they need to have a bounce back. They had so many injuries last year. They're, you know, their offensive line by the end of the year was, you know, none of those guys at the end were start had, had were starting at the beginning of the season. So they need to stay healthy because they're not going to be as deep as Oklahoma or Texas. And if they stay healthy, and if Bowman can play like he's, I mean, you said it. He's he's had great seasons where he's been. So um, he's a veteran. So he'll he'll do a good job if they can protect him and run the ball. You know, they're going to be they're going to have another nine win season. Uh, one more college note, then we'll move on to the NFL side. I got to shout out your your Golden Hurricane. I love the hire of Kevin Wilson. Uh, great OC at Ohio State. Uh, I thought he kind of got screwed over when he was a uh, head coach at Indiana. He did a really good job there. He was did. A great OC for OU. Uh, I, I don't know if TU could have done any better. A guy that is as good as any coordinator in the country has been a successful head coach at a really not much of a football power and his Oklahoma ties too. I, I thought sure. they hit it out of the park. I'm excited for TU here. I am too. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was surprised like almost everybody with the hire with when, because he wasn't one of the names that was being talked about, right. All of a sudden, Hey, we hired Kevin Wilson. Um, but I have now, I had the opportunity to meet with Kevin a couple of times and the stuff that he's saying, what they're doing at practice is stuff that I absolutely love. I think, He's going to do a great job. I think TU is going to have a tougher time keeping Kevin Wilson than they are winning games, you know, um, next year. This year, boy, you talked about non-conference schedule for Oklahoma. Tulsa's non-conference schedule is um, rough. Man, they just need to figure out how to survive their non-conference schedule without getting everybody hurt so they can go into conference play with uh, all of their guys uh, ready to go. But they, you know, when when – when Montgomery left, you know, he took a couple of linemen with him to Auburn, you know, through the transfer portal. You know, they are really thin, really, really thin at a couple spots. And offensive line is uh, the one of maybe the biggest glaring weakness. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I don't think anybody's expecting much out of that TU team and in, uh, in no. since first year. But as far as going forward with his ability to recruit talent and such a good offensive mind that he is, I'm looking at that TU program, and they could be the standard bearer in the American with the teams that have exited. Right. In all reality, TU's not going anywhere. They're not getting a Big 12 invite, just being real here. Right. Um, right. I mean, there's a huge window for TU to to get back to what they were several years ago in Conference USA to really yes. run things in the American. I mean, heck, wasn't too long ago they were in the American Championship right there with Cincinnati. Right, well – and already from Kevin Wilson's first day at Tulsa, he's he's went back to the recruiting model that's going to work for him, right? The, the he has offered and signed in-state kids. Um, that is huge, huge, huge for Tulsa. Lots of reasons, right? But one of the main reasons you always hear, you know, one of the, the complaints about Tulsa is getting people in the stands. You want to get people in the stands, right? 
two things you need to do. You got to win some games, right? Winners bring fans. But, you know, if you sign some local kids, right, there's automatically 10 or 12 more season tickets being sold. Maybe more than that, depending on the kid, right, and how many family members he's got here. And, uh, you know, love him or hate him, Coach Montgomery, that that uh, recruiting Oklahoma kids was not in his recruiting model. And, you know, I wouldn't say they refused to do it. I'm just saying – it was not a very high priority. And Kevin Wilson has made it a high priority to get out, shake the hands of the high school coaches here in town, recruit the kids, get to know everybody. And I love it. Uh, and I hope um, as an alumni that they can keep Kevin Wilson around um, for a long time. If they do, I'm with you. I'm with you, Tyler. I'm with you. I'm in your corner. They're, they got a chance to set the precedent in the American. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And back out Chapman Stadium again, that'd be great uh, if that day comes. So we'll see what happens. Let's transition to the NFL now. You got the Eagles hat on, so I got to go from one of your teams to the other. Man, a lot of reason to be excited for for the Eagles. I know they came up short in the Super Bowl last year, but that team, Howie Roseman did such an incredible job with what they did, the moves they made, the new contract for Jalen Hurts and everything – there's no reason why the Eagles shouldn't be the favorites again in the NFC. What do you think of Philly here? Yeah, I think Philly's a fantastic football team, man. And I think the I think they're they'll even be better. They'll be better this year. I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts um, is one of the easiest guys I've ever seen to like. He is he's, you just love rooting for him, right? Because he embodies everything that anybody ever wants to talk about with football, right? Hard work, first guy there, um, humble. You know, gives praise to everybody else and then goes down the football field and just performs like a, a monster. You know, uh, his his stats from in the three years he's been in the league have just gone up and up and up. If he can make even a tiny bit of improvement this year, um, yeah, not only will they win the N- NFC, but they'll this time they might be the favorite in the Super Bowl. Maybe so. San Francisco, I know that they don't have their quarterback situation quite figured out just yet. Brock Purdy sounds like he's clear to go, but uh, obviously you still have Sam Darnold and Trey Lance there, but you know, that's a team. I like them getting Hargrave away from Philly. I'm very curious. Like I think it's those two again, and you know, could really, as much as I thought Philly got better, but I thought San Fran got better too. I think those two are still class in the NFC. How do you think the Niners compare to Philly here? Uh, well, it's a, what an unbelievable matchup, right? San Francisco's deep as the line. I know Bosa's holding out, but he'll be back. Right. right. Uh, what an unbelievable matchup between San Francisco's deep as the line and Philadelphia's offensive line, right? Some Hall of Fame guys playing against each other. Uh, that matchup last year between Bosa and Lane Johnson was, you know, as an offensive line nerd, right? right? That was so fun to watch. I mean, it was – um, two guys at the top of their game battling it. So, um, and if Purdy comes back and plays like he did last year, I mean, that, what was he, eight and one last year? I mean, yeah. you know, something silly um, as Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. If he plays like that again with the defense they have, you know, yeah, it, it will come down. It should come down to those two teams, the NFC Championship again. When you look at the other teams in the NFC, you know, I, I think Seattle's going to be better. Giants and Cowboys are going to be solid. 
Um, who is who's the best of the rest? Who do you think is going to be the biggest threat potentially to uh, San Francisco and Philly? Then? Well, um, what quarterback is going to show up for the Minnesota Vikings? Right. Yeah. I, mean, I know it's Kirk Cousins, but I mean, which Kirk Cousins are we going to get? And right? is that defense going to improve? Right. You know, because Kirk Cousins goes and and he can be week to week, you know, going and, and looking like Hall of Fame, Joe Montana, and the next week, like who who is that guy? Right. Um if the if if um, because they've got weapons offensively. Yes, they their defense has got to slow some more people down and get some get some turnovers, but offensively they've got weapons. If Kirk Cousins will just get them to not turn the ball over. Um Boy, after that, it gets pretty slim, pretty thick. I do. I think the Giants will improve. I think the Giants are going to be. I like. I like Dave Ball, the head coach. I like what he did. I don't, what was he coaching? I think he was NFC Coach of the Year last year, right? So, yeah. um, I I like what he's doing. He's he's brought a toughness, um, and, and he's handling the quarterback situation with kid gloves. They finally got the uh, Saquon deal figured out. Yeah, well, had to, had to. That guy's. You know, I love. I, you know what I said about. Um, Jalen Hurts, he said the same thing about Saquon. Super humble, but sets goals of being the greatest ever, right? That's that's a great, that's a, an amazing uh, combination when somebody's that humble, but internally they're 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 shooting for nothing but absolutely the best. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Let's talk about the uh, AFC Chiefs come in as the reigning Super Bowl champions, and they got better. They did just lose Kadarius Tony and. That doesn't look good, that situation. So they might have a hole there at the receiver position. But Kansas City back, Cincinnati, uh, Buffalo, those three again. I think Buffalo improved. Cincinnati, I didn't like who they lost in defense. But what do you think of the the AFC, those three teams? Is there one that's separated among those three? Is this still Kansas City's to lose? Well, it's still Kansas City, but it's just by nose, you know, both, I, I love Cincinnati and I love Buffalo. Um, we need to take, you know, at Buffalo at quarterback, we need to take a little bit of off his shoulders, right? He needs to be a distributor more instead of just being, instead of being just the guy. Um, but Joe Burrow is uh, another, but all three of those quarterbacks, you know, Burrow, Mahomes, and um, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I mean, tremendous leaders, tremendously talented. Uh, football players, golly, when those teams get together, right? It's it's turn the cell phone off. It's right. Everybody leave the room. I'm watching this football game, um, and I think those guys are all they're all right next. They're all just right here together um, because they've all they've all got great football teams, but they've all got something, one little piece they're missing. Um, you mentioned Cincinnati on defense. You know, um, you, you mentioned the Kansas City wide receiver. Um, situation right uh, and Tony he'll, he might they're saying maybe the first game but he'll be back before you know the third or fourth week of the season right. guaranteed so he'll be fine um, and you know Josh Allen needs to figure out how to be he just needs to learn to be a distributor right and let other some other guys on the team uh, help him out uh, you'll appreciate this. I, I was, uh, talking to, uh, somebody that you probably know pretty well, big Al Jerkins, uh, today <laughs> and, uh, was on his radio show and, and he was asking me about just the devalue of the running back position. We mentioned about Saquon having to move heaven and earth just to get $11 million for one year. And right. we know about Dalvin cook getting released and, 
you know, Josh Jacobs, a Tulsa kid who's trying to get paid his money. Tony Pollard trying to get paid. All these guys in the running back market has just been brutal for these guys. What what, what do you make of just everything that's transpired here? Uh, I mean, it's, I I hate it for those guys, but at the same time, if you look at the numbers of just the usage of the running back position and everything, I I get it too of why they're not getting that money. It's, It's a, it's a tough business, uh, but at the end of the day, it's a business decision for these teams. It is a it's a very tough business, right? Um, but you know, the upstairs, the upstairs offices of those NFL football teams, they're not looking at David Alexander, right? The person they're looking at a piece of paper, and they're saying, right, right? he's a dep- he is a depreciable asset, right? And Every time he carries the football or every time he gets hit, right, we have to depreciate that a little bit. And then, you know, how how much does it cost to replace David Alexander's production, right? It doesn't cost much to replace that production. We can go sign two guys to do what David Alexander did, right, if David Alexander was a running back. So, you know, it just comes down to some number cruncher upstairs. Um, now, let's don't feel sorry for any of those running backs, Right. Um, they're making tons of money, you know, uh, $10 million this year for Saquon. Should he be getting paid more? Of course. Of course he should. If you base it on what he's done for his team compared to other people on the team making more money. But, um, you know, if, if Saquon is smart, right, he's changed the trajectory of, you know, a couple generations of his family, right, Right. with just one year's salary. Um, and, And Saquon knows that. Would Saquon like to be, you know, have a five-year contract for a hundred million? Of course he would. Does he deserve that? Probably, right? But um, it's just not the way the business works. Right. I mean, I-, I was telling Al, you know, you don't have Adrian Petersons anymore walking through the door every day. Like right. the the guys that are going to be productive for ten plus years are an anomaly now. It's just very right. rare. When you do have those guys, those guys will get paid, but. It's just history tells us that eventually it's going to catch up right. to you. I mean, look at look at Zeke last year, and he's one right. that did get the second contract, and he didn't look like a shade of himself from a couple years ago. No, and, and you can just you. I was going to bring up Zeke as well. I mean, you can watching a football game from one year to the next, you can just see the wear and the tear. You just just can't change direction as fast, right? Step slower, you know. It's just uh, it, those guys. That they're playing on defense in the NFL, man, they're big and they're strong, and those hits mount up. And when it's your time, it's your time, you know. I mean, yeah. and Zeke Elliott or Dalvin Cook or, you know, um, David Alexander, right? You don't get to, most people don't get to decide when they're done with football, right? Football decides when they are done with you, right? And, yeah. you know, and, and football has decided they are done with Zeke Elliott being a, being a top level running back. Yeah. I got a couple more questions for you, then we'll run. Uh, with training camps going on, I know you went through several of these throughout your career. Uh, DA, what's your best training camp memory or, or story? <laughs> uh, it's funny. We've uh, Well, first off, uh, training camp starts, right? As soon as you say that, training camp starts, and I get butterflies. Still get butterflies because it's, it's, it's misery, or it was misery. Training camps aren't near quite as hard as they are, you know, as they used to be, right? The Thank goodness the union got involved. But I, I um, was in a long. I was in my car for a long time today. So I actually talked to a couple old teammates of mine, 
And uh, my second season in NFL, right, we went to training camp with 14 linemen. By the, by the afternoon practice of day two, we were down to eight healthy bodies. And, but that was under Buddy Ryan. And so nothing changed. We still did two practices a day, full pads. And so we just had to try to figure out as those eight linemen how to help each other survive. And I lost so much weight in training camp. I, uh, I couldn't drink enough water and I, and I drink so much water that I couldn't eat. And all of us, we looked, we did not look like NFL linemen after about a month of training camp with only eight guys going, you know, cause that was also back in the, there was no free agency back at the beginning of my career. So they didn't just go out and sign a bunch of guys. I mean, you, you had what you had and, um, and buddy Ryan didn't back off any, it was still full go full speed against Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons and Reggie white. Um, that was, that was tough now. And under, and under, my buddy, we were talking, you know, his story from those Philadelphia Eagles days where we fought. And I, when I say fought, I mean, we literally practiced a two hour practice lasted two and a half hours because of all the fights that were going on all the time, because it was just full speed. It was tackled the ground. So it was just a fist fight. Um, every time we were in inside run drill or anytime we were in blitz period, there was a fight. And um, you just had to, Man, I, you had to pick and choose when you wanted to fight, or sometimes you're just too tired. You go stand in the back and grab somebody and hang on and just, hey, man, just that's that's just you and I are going to chill here for a little while. Man, uh, those were the days. Uh, those were the days. <laughs> Last question. Uh, we'll end on this. Uh, I know you're ready for for high school football to get here and uh, get some exciting stuff uh, cooked up. What's uh, planned ahead for you in in uh, this high school season? Uh, what what do you what are you excited about most uh, here in 2023? What you'll be up to, man? Man, you know, um, I have my offensive line this year over at Sepulpa is going to be amazingly good. We've got a great group of kids. Um, I expect I expect our team at Sepulpa this year to do something that Sepulpa hasn't done since the 80s, right? And that's finish high enough in our district, either first or second, where we can host a playoff game. Sepulpa hasn't hosted a playoff game since the 80s. They haven't won a playoff game since they beat Jinx in 2001 or 2002. So we've got a great football team. We've got a great quarterback. We've got a great offensive line. Um, We've got some skilled kids on offense. We should be pretty exciting. Um, You know, being in 5A, you know, you don't ever have a lot of depth, so we got to stay healthy. But if we stay healthy, we're going to do things that the Sepulpa Chieftains have not done ever. I look forward to it. Going to be rooting you guys on uh, from afar, but certainly excited for you, Coach. Thanks for the time, as always. Best of luck to you this season. We'll uh, catch up again soon. All right, Tyler. I always enjoy it, man. I love our conversations. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fulgery story of the week. Thomas Bridges standing by with something ridiculously absurd happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to this time? Jones, we're going to the airport. I love the airport. Been there a lot lately. Heck yeah. It's been a while, I feel like, since we've been had a good airport story. Now, Jones, I've been international. I feel like you've been international, yeah? Uh, Yeah, I've been to Mexico a couple times as a kid. Not in a while, but uh, I, I will be going back soon. Heck yeah. Granted, I haven't flown across the pond. That's my next... 
you know, hopefully my next big venture. But at the same time, you pay a lot for those tickets, right? You pay a decent chunk of change for tickets to go across the pond. Well, this comes from the Straits Times, and it reads, British Airways passengers fed KFC chicken a leg each on a 12-hour flight to London. It was not originally on the menu, but one chicken leg from KFC was all that passengers on British Airways flight got on a 12-hour flight to London due to catering, they said, snafu. An account in the travel blog, One Mile at a Time, said the incident happened last Sunday. Mr. Ben Chalapping, who wrote about what happened, said British Airways Flight 252 was about to fly out of out of Turks and Caicos, a British overseas territory in the Atlantic Ocean, when its crew learned it had a catering problem. The plane's catering carts were not properly chilled, so all the food meant for the 12-hour flight to London had to be thrown out. After the plane landed in Nasu in the Bahamas for a stopover, the crew arranged alternative catering, several buckets of KFC chicken. Incredible. Both business class and economy passengers got the same meal, fried chicken. Instagram video showed flight attendants holding KFC buckets and handing out chicken legs to passengers on the business class. Twitter post, meanwhile, showed a lucky passenger with two pieces of chicken. Turn up. Those on board on the plane were understandably upset. Laughable user keeping up, keeping up W something said on Twitter. People with medical conditions left without any food or proper refreshments on Instagram, whereas... Underscore Wally 27 remark. British Airways are right up there with the budget airline beginning with the letter R that I refuse to fly with due to atrocious customer services. Another described the incident as absolute disgrace, asking, how do you forget the catering for a 12-hour flight? Others, though, were more forgiving. At least an alternative was provided in circumstances and I imagine some further sort of compensation would have been doled out. Um, one of the British Airways people said the travel writer said British Airways actually deserves a bit of credit, even if it wasn't for a great experience for the passengers. I can't imagine any passenger would have preferred their flight delayed by several hours or even canceled over food. Turn I, I, I you know, I dap him up for that. So trying to find some alternative while minimizing the delays seemed like the best option. He said KFC, despite his finger looking good, chicken would have not been his first pick either. <laughs> Listen, my first pick is not KFC either. I don't like KFC. I'm not missing a flight or having it delayed because of food. In turn, you know, like if the food's not available, hey, say, hey, well, the drinks are free on this flight. I'm not worried about that. Like, you know, it, it, to be honest with you, I've never been on a 12-hour flight, so I don't know. But at the same time, if they said, hey, something happened, we couldn't get the food, um, free drinks, the whole flight, within reason, within reason. But, you know, 
in terms of food on the flight and you get the 12 hours free, Hey, we're going to, we're going to drop everybody 20 pizza rolls a piece or 15 or 10 pizza rolls a piece. I'm happy. Oh my gosh. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, KFC is so average. Uh, it's, it's trash. It, it's trash. It's it's white people chicken. You know what I mean? Oh, it's worse than that. Like, if I'm eating fried chicken, like KFC, if I'm eating it, it better be free or something. You know, or... Or I'm in a hurry and they got like a five dollar box or something that you know is around the corner. Like I'm eating Popeyes, I'm eating churches, uh, I'm eating raisin canes, I'm eating the grocery store chicken, all of those before I'm eating uh you know, Kentucky fried chicken. No disrespect. Reefers has better deli fried chicken than KFC. Yeah. No disrespect. By far. No disrespect to the colonel. I mean, we we salute and no oh, in my book, disrespect to the colonel. I mean, like, you know, he invented Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, he he, he was a, a creator, you know, of sorts. So I, I'm not going to disrespect the colonel. But if I'm paying however much money it is, fine, first class, and you hand me but a bucket, even if it's not first class, twelve hour flight, twelve hour flight. And my meal is Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like you deserve to get that bucket thrown right back in your face. Like that's that's absurd, as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, at least like if it is Kentucky Fried Chicken, take it out of the bucket and put it in a different bucket. Don't let your guests know it's KFC. Right. Like if, if that's your last option, don't let your guests know it's KFC. Like, there has to be somebody that's getting paid more money than I am to minimize minimize controversy. I mean, that is that not what PR is for companies? Right. I mean, you don't have to serve the chicken in the bucket. Like, don't. It could be KFC. Well, you know, to be honest, if they said, hey, we're doing burgers, you know, we're doing burgers tonight on this flight, and they served me a Whataburger burger, and I didn't know it was Whataburger, and I just thought it was a burger from the flight. Even if it was Whataburger, Loki. But if I didn't know it was Whataburger, and I got on the flight, and they gave me the burger, and I ate it, and it was technically Whataburger, and I ate it, I'd be like, oh, you know, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, Waterburger is good. I know you're 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 a bigger fan of Waterburger than I am. Oh, I love Waterburger. I would have, you know, that's one of my favorite things when I go to the airport at uh, Love Field is the Waterburger that's in the airport there, and and, and I eat that or Dickie's Barbecue usually before I fly out most of the time. Uh, Dickie's like the McDonald's of bar- barbecue, you know. <laughs> um, it's I thought Waterburger's got a great breakfast, honestly. Oh, they do have great breakfast. Yeah, no question about it. But I mean, Tom, like, you know, if if I'm on a flight, like that, that to me, like, I would be so pissed off. Like, of all things you could get. Now, in that article you mentioned there, it says that the the people working the flight 
didn't want to eat what was in the airport. Surely there was something better in the airport than damn KFC. Oh, 100%. Like, KFC to me is bottom of the barrel. Like, there's going to be better food. Or, like I said, like, you serve it. Like, how are you going to serve it in the KFC buckets? I guess, you know, if that's all you got, sure. How many people do you think would have known it was KFC had they not given it in the buckets? Yeah, there's really no way to tell. Right. Your, you know, your first idea, if you're expecting more and you you get something that is fried chicken without the logo, I would assume your first thought is probably not going to be like, oh, they gave us KFC. But if you're just passing out the buckets, like, well, you could have tried harder or you could have said, hey, I'm, like, I think the best choice here, Jones, would have been to be transparent. Of like, hey, some shit went down, unfortunately, and like been honest. Like, hey, we got to serve KFC. If you don't want it, then I'm sorry. Um, we'll offer, you know, we're offering free drinks. Or, you know, it wouldn't have to be free drinks all flat. Hey, we're offering you two or three free drinks. And we'll go about it like that for a 12-hour flight. We get it. We didn't want to serve KFC, but due to, you know, things happening, we, this is at the point, this is the point that we are at right now. And it sounds like that American Airlines was, or British Airlines at that point, was not transparent. And I think that's where they fucked up. (laughs) Yes. Like, if you're going to serve shit food, like, be transparent and let the guests at the time know, hey, listen, things happen. And and you know what? If I was a, a passenger on the flight and expected a little bit better food and they came out and was transparent about it and said, hey, listen, we're sorry. This is what we're offering. We're going to make it up to you. Not everybody drinks. A lot of people are sober. Um... But it's like, hey, we're offering, um, you know, on a tour or a flight, we're offering drink service that's a little bit better than usual, whether that be free alcoholic drinks or just Coke, Dr. Pepper, sparkling water, et cetera, et cetera. Like, oh, okay, I would be more forgiving. I think if something happens like this, I think you, I think it's a requirement to say, oh, you know what? Okay. I can get down with that and, and, and take that in a weird way on the chin. All right. And they failed to do that. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, this old deal. I, I mean, I, I feel bad for the passengers. They got stuck eating. Well, I mean, like I'd rather have a fucking Chick-fil-A box like, and Chick-fil-A is way better at catering. I, in my opinion. Yeah. Like it's way easier to get a Chick Fil A box sandwich, from my from my experience, than it is for Chick Fil A to get their shit together, right? Like, where did this flight come out? Like, it's fine. British Airways. Did it come from the U.S.? Atlanta is a hub for international flights like that, or did they fly out of Laguardia? You know, it it really doesn't matter. They're 
Chick-fil-A is way better, way, way, way better than KFC. And there's so many other uh, Popeyes way better than KFC. Like Chick-fil-A is dirt chicken. In my opinion, I think uh, KFC is trash. So yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, ooh, okay, well, what, where, where do I come down to? So I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Tom, but like I grew up almost every Sunday after church going and eating KFC. And oh, the buffet. Oh, you're doing the buffet. Yeah, we did that every Sunday after church. Mom wanted a fried chicken, you know, and then we'd go home and watch basketball golf, you know, and, and and eat that 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 fried chicken, you know, and, and have uh you know the mashed potatoes with the gravy and uh and, and we didn't get the Colonel's original recipe. We we ate extra crispy. And I can't remember the last time I ate at a KFC because I think I had enough of my childhood. A mom and dad making us eat KFC every Sunday, you know. But uh, we we didn't make yeah the mashed potatoes and brown gravy. Oh, with the brown gravy and dad. When we ordered KFC to go, you better believe dad said, "Can I get two sets of mashed potatoes and gravy?" You know, like he wanted to double up those sides. You know, we couldn't get enough and, of that. And, and a and a drink to go. Yes, yes. Give me some some sweet tea or give me a Dr Pepper. You know, yeah. Oh my God, that Charlie. Uh, loved going to KFC every Sunday, and I think I had enough KFC for the rest of my life. I don't need to go back to KFC. There's Biscuits, so many better places. Biscuits, not bad. Um, the mashed potatoes, not bad. And most places don't know how to make coleslaw. Actually, the one thing KFC probably does right is their coleslaw. I'd eat their coleslaw any day over Canes's coleslaw. No, I don't, I don't fuck with coleslaw. Period. Uh, you, I don't fuck with coleslaw. Period. Their corn, I thought, was great. I mean, but, but the their corn was itself, more sweet. Their corn was more sweet than most places. More like sweet corn, yeah. But like KFC, you know, I mean, it, it's it's just trash. You know, like stay away from KFC unless they want to sponsor us or something. Like KFC, just uh, we are uh, we are an anti KFC pod officially. Yes. We are, a pro, that we are a pro canes. We are a pro chicken and the wolf. We are a pro. I will say, and I'll 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 stand on this. Everybody that I've ever met loves a good um honey butter chicken biscuit from Oh, that's a good one. Water burger. Uh, but Churches has a also they they all and Popeyes does too, kind of the same vibe of a honey butter chicken biscuit. Um, I think Popeyes even has a jalapeno, honey butter chicken biscuit. Yeah, which is incredible. Um, so while Whataburger is not a chicken place, Popeyes is great, Canes is great. There are so many other better things than KFC. KFC, I'll tell you what, in terms of in terms of chicken and in terms of restaurant, let's look at the past in terms of movies, in terms of shows. KFC is a lot like a fucking blockbuster. <laughs> Every there's so many other better options now. And and Canes, Canes or Popeyes is like Netflix now. 
and and you know let's say let's say let's say Popeyes let's say Popeyes is like Netflix Popeyes can be Netflix here and that's fair and then let's say the next place like the Waterburger breakfast biscuit version is kind of like Fandango <laughs> and at that point you can't hate it is what it is it is what it is. And, you know, it's appreciated. Tom, one of these days, you and I, we need to take a like a first-class flight where we just get effed up on the plane. Like, you know, pregame a little before the flight, take advantage of the free alcohol, and just land somewhere and be buzzed from right there. I've never flown first-class. I, I want that full experience like whenever i fly first class someday i don't even know how to buy first class tickets that's how poor i am <laughs> so you've never flown first class either no 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 like which i don't know like southwest it's kind of like oh, okay you buy the tickets and the earlier you buy the tickets the, right. yeah the earlier you buy the tickets the better seating arrangement you get right but like you know, Delta and American and all them have first class. Uh, right. So, I'm, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, like, I don't mind, like, riding in the front on some of these flights is almost as good as, like, riding in the very back. Yeah. Like, what, what I'm looking at, Tom, like, there's people our age who are probably trying to figure out how to fly private sometime. I, I just want to figure out first class for, first. Like I, I'm, I'm still a million miles from trying to fly private here. Right. I mean, if it, I mean, you know, if it, that's the thing though. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, I'm not so like, oh bummer. Then it has to actually matter, right? To some extent. Now you know, if I'm flying somewhere, I'm gonna be at like. Fair enough. I wouldn't want Kate fucking KFC. I'd be pissed too. <laughs> you know? But if I'm already sitting in first class, then I'm like, okay, well, I would, instead of having my belly full, I'd much rather have more leg room. Yeah. Because if I have to sleep on a flight, I want more leg room anyway. Yeah. And, and at that point, in terms of room, I want the window seat. Because I feel like once you lean to the right a little bit into the window seat, you do get a little bit more room. Yeah. Imagine, imagine I have to fly on like a, you know, like a sixteen-hour flight, or even a twelve-hour flight, and have to be in the middle. Yuck. That would not be fun. <clears throat> Can you? Yeah. Can you imagine that would be the worst? Do you sleep well on planes? Uh, depends on what my night was like before. Yeah, I, I can sleep like on a on an overnight flight, like and and sleep the entire way. But like if I'm flying near the middle of the day or the evening, I might be able to get a quick nap, but I'm not gonna be able to sleep for very long. You know, it depends. Like I said, it's like okay, am I hungover? If I'm on a flight, probably most likely I'm probably close to hungover, which is fine. Which is right. fine, but. I will say one of the one of the flights that I've I've ever took that I was like oh my gosh I'm like dunzo 
Tampa. Tampa direct to Tulsa. Knocked out. Like we got on that flight. Like I like And you flew like Breeze Airways or something, right? Which 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 interesting here. Interesting fact. Should have been horrible. No. Really? Two two is it was two seater, like two rows a seat on each side. And then they were um like interesting enough, they were they were leather. It was like it was like it was like a recliner. It was like a recliner. And so I got on the flight and it was a direct flight to Tulsa, which you don't find all the time. And I had I had that flight and we we you know there was no problems. We did that flight, and it was, I got on, there wasn't a whole lot of people. There was enough people, but everybody had their own row, which is great, which is awesome, really. Everybody had their own row. We got on the flight. It was super early in the morning. Everybody was tired. It was a direct flight to Tulsa. And I knocked out probably in the first 15 minutes. And I woke up in the last 15 minutes. And the seats on that flight were all leather. Really? And it was it was incredible. And I only paid like 85 bucks for the entire flight back. Yeah. How about that? Oh, I, I felt like I won that flight, right? Like there, there are prices that I paid where I'm like, okay, they got the better of me. This one, I felt like I won. Right, and, and it was great because, like, obviously the Rams beat the Bucks, and so I was on top of the world. I get on a flight on an early Monday morning, still make work, and am rested because cold leather seats. We have a great time. Oh, yeah. And it's two to a seat, and everyone has their own row. And so I obviously rest them, you know, take the armrest, put it up. Everyone just having a great time. And, you know, at the end of the day, everyone is – at that point, everyone's vibing. And it was – I don't know. I think that's probably my best flight experience so far. And it worked out to where I saw the Rams win. It was a cheap flight. And the flight itself was great. I don't know if I'll ever get that. I don't I don't know if I'll ever get better than that. You love to see it. Uh Tom, we're out of time. Uh what a fun show today. Uh between Having D.A. join us, David Alexander, definitely rooting on the Sepulpa Chieftains. He'll be coaching them this year. Um, and uh, so definitely check them out. And uh, Coach Bo, he'll be back next week. We'll bring back uh, the football fix and our draft segment when Bo joins us next week. So look forward to that. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week, wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com 
slash Tyler Jones Live slash Studio Soapbox. Twitter at Tyler Jones Live. Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges. Twitter uh, Studio underscore Soapbox. I guess now known as X. Is that what it's going to be? Um, and then Instagram, Toddler Jones Live, Instant Thomas, and Jones underscore report. You can find us there. For Thomas Bridges, David Alexander, our entire crew of Toddler Jones, thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you next week.